Hey folks, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you will get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to win campaigns, but also how to build movements. I'm Martin Diego Garcia. And I'm Joe Fold. And you can find us at the Campaign Workshop on Instagram and on Threads. Welcome and thanks for listening to this episode of Season 4, How to Win a Campaign. Absolutely. And you haven't already done so, please go back and check out the other episodes we have done on movement building. There's some really fantastic topics and information in those episodes as well. Yeah, well, Martine, today we get to chat about one of my favorite topics, and I think one of yours as well, which is management. Yay! We at the Campaign Workshop, we're really intentional about management, and it's taken us time to do this, and we invest a lot in resources and time to make sure our managers have the tools to be successful, but management in a movement is a big deal. We are super lucky to learn from and work with the Management Center, Manjikata's team, for many years whose purpose really is to help leaders making a difference in the world create and run equitable and sustainable organizations and have really good management practices. I know we at the Campaign Workshop send all of our folks through the Management Center's trainings. I have been through them a number of times. So you may be wondering how management sort of fits into this broader topic of movement building, but don't worry, we're going to get there. We're here to unpack it today. And Joe, let's start by helping connect the dots between internal organizational management and how that really connects to a successful movement. Well-run movements management actually makes the difference between something staying together for the long haul or falling apart. And that idea of being intentional about communication, about values, and about structure, and making sure people actually feel empowered to do their work is super important, right? Again, process, values, and communication all come into play here in effective management. But When you have an effectively managed organization, you really have that ability to stay and to grow for the long haul. If there isn't that two-way communication between even volunteers and the management of an organization, it will fall apart. And so you got to build it. And it really starts from leadership, right? It really starts from the top. If you've ever heard of a dominant culture, right? The folks at the top who are making the decisions are usually the folks who are also setting the culture in a company, in an organization, in a movement. And so good management really requires adaptive leadership because as we know, things are constantly changing and there are different ways that we have to learn how to manage new generations of folks to make sure that we are getting effective results. And that really means that it requires affirmative feedback, right? deliberate communication, goal setting, right? Management also requires empowerment and inspiration, right? To, to get folks to really get on board with your movement. You need to effectively manage your organization and create an environment where individuals feel like they are heard and seen and empowered to take initiative and really strive for the results that you all are trying to achieve. It really does help build trust and purpose and allows them to understand that they are producing meaningful and tangible results. But Joe, let's dig a little bit deeper here. Can you talk a little bit about how management can really make or break a movement? Well, so let's start with the idea of conveying a mission, 
right? What is the mission of the organization? And making sure that people agree on what the mission of the organization is. You, Martine, may have a different view than I do. And the more differing it is, the more splintered an organization can be and the more likely a movement is falling apart. So even something as simple as which is not that simple, getting buy-in on what the movement is, what the movement does, what the goals of the movement are, and getting people to agree to it really can be a difference maker around keeping folks together and focused on what you're trying to do, conveying that, thinking like broadly and also thinking strategically. But then when you get into tactical goals, right? Asking volunteers to do very specific things also is a part of good management. Are we asking people to tell their story? Are we getting people to sign people up? Are we getting people to fundraise? Whatever those tasks are actually involves management and good management. If we're not clear about what we're asking for, if we're not clear about talking to volunteers about what we need them to do, they are one not likely to do it in a way that may be strategic for the organization or, frankly, not likely to do it at all because they don't know what you want them to do. To me, management is the the backbone of this stuff. I mean, I, we've talked about this on other episodes, this idea of storming, forming, norming when you're building a movement and especially when you're in that storming phase where you're like, we've got to get this thing done. That is where defining these core values, defining processes, defining communication like really can make the difference because if you're not building it from the beginning, often what happens is you never build it. And then after you reach that sort of phase where you're getting press, things are moving, things are going, but you haven't built those processes, then when the next thing comes up, people go on to the next thing because you don't have a process to keep them, if that makes sense. Right. You, you have built this thing on a on a not very stable foundation, right, which can be a detriment to not only your organization, but the movement building that you all are doing. I think the other piece of management, in addition to right, like being very clear on your sort of North Star is just ensuring that people have the resources that they need to be effective in their jobs, right? And that comes in a number of different forms, right? As a, as a somebody who's super passionate about a leadership development, right? It's continued training and education, in addition to just sort of understanding the work styles, the communication styles, the different sort of little things that helps your organization run better. If you have somebody at the head of an organization who doesn't understand the importance of management, right, or, or is very much a visionary leader who isn't leading by example in terms of what it looks like to manage themselves properly, be organized themselves, right, like take that self-care time themselves, they're going to lead that organization into burnout, right? Into churning of staff, into uh, making people feel like the the work that they're doing isn't making meaningful impact, right? And so that piece of management can really set a tone in a culture within an organization that either helps your folks thrive and make really tremendous impact for the long haul or quickly, quickly deteriorate. Yeah, I mean, I think that idea of thinking about sustainability of an organization is the way really to prevent burnout, right? If you're thinking about what do your folks need, how do people want to be treated, and you're looking at that sustainability and inclusivity, you know, again, this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? 
all of those things really matter in an organization, I think they're all important. And you have to think about all three of those, not just like one part of it, right? And so thinking about how you're building that, how you're building that within the organization and how leadership can actually listen and you're building in processes so leadership actually is listening to the people who are doing the day-to-day work and being able to help and support them. If your folks are feeling burned out, listen and then figure out what can you be doing to relieve them. If your folks don't feel like you care about them, you're likely to lose them. So how are you showing that you care about what they say and are giving their input? I mean, listen, nothing that we're talking about today is really new, right? This has been a part of movement building for forever. I think this intentionality around these practices, around management, I don't think there are a lot of podcasts out there today talking about management and movements, but there should be, right? We really do need to be thinking about when we're thinking about advocacy, when we're thinking about making change about the management aspect of it. That's why I love this interview because it's something that I have been working at intentionally at part of our company, but also been working with clients to really think about intentionality around this. And the ones that do it are making a huge difference. I had the pleasure and honor really to work alongside Jakarta. He was my executive coach, Jakarta Mani, who's going to be the interviewee for this episode, um, who is now leading the management center and got to learn just a ton, a ton, a ton of considerations you should be making, tools you can be implementing, right? frameworks you can be utilizing. And if you haven't checked out the resources that the management center has, I, I implore you to do so. In my management career right now, now having been able to manage for a good bit of time in large teams, small teams, I think the piece that has changed for me since I was managed to how I am managing now, and particularly in movement building, is really this like humanity piece of it that I think when I first started, it was very much results driven. It was numbers, data, how many people did you get in the door? How can you quantify the results that you were producing? And there wasn't this idea of, Martin, how how is this growing you? How are you trying to grow here? Right, like, what do you want to be doing? How can I sort of connect those dots for you? Because it was very much like, here's the mission, and we're trying to achieve the mission. And I think now, and this was a, a colleague of ours shared a, a podcast on radical conversations around including a conversation to have with your employees around that particular topic, understanding where they've come from, understanding where they are currently in the job that you you are employing them for, and then where they want to go, right? And really sort of seeing them fully as a human and understanding their trajectory so that, yes, you're having them produce results for the organization so that you're getting closer to achieving your mission, but you're also growing them as a human for the long haul in the movement because we need them to stay around so that we have more people doing this work, right? Because Joe, as we mentioned, right, like bad management can really just cut the legs out of under you in a really big way if you're not being conscious about it. Being intentional and getting that buy-in, whether it's a volunteer or an employee, about like what is their goal? What are they trying to do? And I think often like the problem that we've seen is whether you're a movement, whether you're a company, whether you're a volunteer organization, that often it's just a top-down thing where it's do this thing and not trying to get folks to get their own personal value out of what they're doing. 
And there is a reason behind why you have a volunteer there and why they are doing this. The more you know that and understand their motivation and can help them drive with their motivation, the more happy they're going to be doing it and the more they're going to stay, right? And so especially when we're talking about movements that have volunteers, that is critical. But then I also want to go to employees, right? Employees have a lot of options. They can walk with their feet. They can go someplace else if they're not happy in the job. Again, having a purpose and the amount of time that we spend at work, having a purpose for what they want to do and being able to drive toward that purpose is beneficial. They will do a better job. It is not just good for the employee. It is also good business. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that that piece around just having your eyes open, right? Like management is also about noticing and being aware of opportunity for growth, right? I, the, I have a story from a colleague that I used to work with that I used to love sharing in trainings because so she used to work for a labor union and they would have a lunch meeting every month where they would order pizza. Not a lot of people would show up. And one of the members or one of the volunteers who came was like, hey, how much are we spending on this lunch? Do you mind if I like I take over providing lunch for these meetings and started getting like local salads or other things that like people really wanted to eat? And more people started showing up to the meeting because the food was better. And my colleague recognized that as her taking on leadership where the member, the volunteer did not. And after that was able to sort of bring her in. She ended up running for her local union board. She ended up becoming an elected official and a state legislator. And just because she was seen as being a leader and somebody else acknowledged it for her, like that is management, right? Like that is your ability to sort of change somebody's trajectory as a manager. A hundred percent. And as you can tell, we are both really passionate about this topic. We could talk about this all day long, but the good news is you're about to stop hearing from us talking about this. And we're going to move to Jakarta and have him talk about this. And it was a great interview. And again, what was nice about this is actually Martin knew him. But we'd never met before, but I am a huge fan of the Management Center. We're going to put a lot about it in the show notes. We have everyone at the campaign workshop go through their trainings. I can go on and on, but we're going to basically go into Jakarta Amani and have him talk about what works to improve nonprofit management and advance social justice. We're really excited for the conversation. Let's go. Jakarta Amani is the CEO of the Management Center, an organization working to improve nonprofit management and advance social justice and equity throughout the United States. He previously served as the executive director of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, as the director of capacity building initiatives at the Center for Popular Democracy, and has served on the board of Greenpeace. In the last 30 years, he's worked on issues ranging from racial and economic justice, workers' rights, tenant organizing, and green jobs. Jakarta, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be in this conversation with you. It is so great to talk to you. I mean, first of all, I want to start by saying we, and specifically me at the Campaign Workshop, we are huge fans of your work and fans of the Management Center. We recommend it for all of our clients. Every single employee at the Campaign Workshop has gone through Management Center training, and we are huge fans of it, and it has made a tremendous difference in the work we do, and we just want to let you know that one, we appreciate your all's contribution to our work. Oh, well, thank you. That's so good to hear. And that's what we want. We want to be helpful to organizations who are in the fight to help them be stronger, to help them win, because 
we can't live our full lives if our clients don't win their work. And so having you all out there being evangelists makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will just say that it has allowed us to create a shared language with our team. It has allowed us to create processes that we all know where we come from. It's really, really powerful. And I'll just say to folks listening to this, if you're in the advocacy space and you haven't come through a management center training, you should. So we'll start the conversation there and we'll dig in more. So first, Jakarta, you've had a amazing career focusing on equitable leadership, social justice. Can you tell us a little bit of the journey that got you where you are today? I grew up during the 80s at the height of the, the drug war. And I saw firsthand what drugs did to people in my own family and my own community and saw how every single step of public policy made it worse and really wanted to do something about it and got involved in doing youth leadership development, advocacy and organizing, worked my way up to being a manager. And all of a sudden, where I was pretty decent organizer, I was responsible for helping people be organizers, which nothing about really from my vantage point of being a good youth organizer prepared me to do. All of a sudden, I was responsible for other people's success, helping them figure out how to learn. And so that sort of kickstarted me wanting to be able to pass on what I'd been given by my mentors, my, my elders. And, and then fast forward when I became the executive director of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights after our founder stepped down and moved on and uh, actually went to go work for Obama in the first term. All of a sudden, I was thrown in to the deep end of having to fundraise, manage, hire, fire, promote, give feedback, give input on campaign strategy, fundraising, all these things that I was, you know, marginally good at and realized that we needed approach that was really rooted in our values. And so just became a management nerd, went from being sort of a movement nerd, nerding out on movement history and particularly the Black freedom struggle, and then dove into the sort of deep end around management. And when Trump got elected, I wanted to bring that sort of experience to as many organizations as I could of like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Here's a set of practical tools, a view, advice that you can just pick up run with hard, Im implement and adapt. And I found the management center and was like, please let me in. <laughs> and and Jerry Hauser and Cindy Kang let me on staff as a coach and a trainer. I've been hooked because, you know, in movements, often people are preaching to the choir. Well, I grew up going to church and I know that choirs have rehearsals. They have roles. People know if they are a tenor, a soprano, if they're lead, if they're backup. And, and many of our organizations, we don't have rehearsal and we don't have a choir director and people be trying to tell you that they should be in the front and they can't hold a tune and don't know the words to the song. And so for us getting these tools into the hands of more and more people with a clear mindset around how to do this for equity, sustainability and results has been hugely important. And, and now I'm sort of, I can't do anything else, but help organizations and leaders get better and get more skilled. Well, I love that. And as a fellow management nerd, right, who has gone also through like this, you know, I started out as a campaign manager. And when you start as a campaign manager, they teach you nothing about management. And then I, you know, was a staffer and, you know, worked at the DNC and then worked in political consulting firms. And again, you know, these firms don't have any root or basis in management. So when I started the campaign workshop in 2009, I really, 
really, you know, took it upon myself to be like, okay, I'm going to give myself a crash course in running a business and being a good manager and creating practices. And then I'd say, I don't know, it probably was somewhere around 2016 also, like maybe 2015 that we found the management center and we started putting folks through it. I had been a big management nerd about, you know, reading around core values and, you know, delivering happiness. Those kind of books were like front and center for me. And I had been a part of the entrepreneurs organization and learned from Mm -hmm. other entrepreneurs, but I also felt like there was a real gap in the conversations that we were having as a company. And so once I started taking the management center trainings and again, staff started taking it, it really created the shared language that was super powerful. Yeah. We hear that story often is that it gives folks a way to talk to each other as opposed to past each other. It lays out some clarity around here is your role. Here's what my expectations. And the real strength for me is the hiring stuff is it teaches folks how to hire for skill and hire talent who might not have the resume. If you just look at the resume, like, oh, well, that doesn't. But then if you look at the actual skills under that, what they bring and they have what we call the must haves, it opens the door. I mean, truthfully, I've been blessed in my career since the end that I have one. That is, people have been really able to identify the must-haves in in the roles that I've been hired into because I don't really have that resume. Like now, when you look at all the things I've done, it was because people just gave me a shot because they saw that I had some of the must-haves. I had some heart and some hustle. And and that's what you needed to be an organizer (laughs) in the late 90s. Totally. And and again, we have rewritten our job descriptions to focus on those must-haves. We've changed the way we hire based on management center best practices, um, looking at that for sure. And I think that has been <laughs> really powerful. And it's the same thing of like getting rid of degree requirements and making sure we at the Camping Workshop hire for three things, which is hiring for hungry, humble, and smart in an intersecting Venn diagram. And the idea idea that if you are just hungry, you will run everyone over. If you are just smart, you will figure out how to get other people to do your work for you. And if you are just humble, you're hiding behind your computer. And so the idea of looking for that is really important. Yeah. yeah. So really powerful. But um, and, and again, didn't invent that, got that from a book, but it's really important. And so this podcast, right? Because again, I can nerd out on Management Center stuff all day long. But today, what I wanted to talk to you about was about movement building and how good management is important to movement building. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things that is the secret sauce to a lot of what TMC brings is making the implicit explicit. And to make the implicit explicit, you have to get really clear about what you're up to, why, and how. And so in a movement, which includes many different actors, if you are not clear about what it is that you are bringing to the table, what it is that you, who you are, whose you are, and what you're up to, you can end up tripping over each other, working in deep tension, burning yourself out, burning out others, having conflict around strategy, direction, when you don't need to, when you can say, well, this is our lane, this is the contribution we're making to the movement, other people are making other contributions, and we're going to stay in our lane. 
and we're going to play well with others, but we're not going to do what they do. Or we need so many people doing what we're doing. We're going to get more people in the party is we need more bodies. And so you're doing base building. Great. Let's do base building together because we need more people out here doing it. Right. And so we have found that when we've worked with networks and we bring these tools in and movements is it gives folk a common language to be able to talk about how they are evaluating, giving each other feedback, which you have to do in movements about what worked well, what didn't. You have to be able to really get really clear about what your goals are and and how you're going to pursue those goals, how you're going to break them down over multiple years. Because, you know, we can have these big aspirations, which we do. And for me, the ability to walk them down. When I was a young person, me and my best friend loved playing pool. And we would just, you know, hit the balls as hard as we could and hope they went in the pocket. And then all of a sudden I learned that's not how you play pool. You actually have to call your shots. And that's how you also create change. Sure, sure, sure. Hitting the ball as hard as you can. That's a good way to start. But at a certain point, you have to get really hyper strategic and focused and effective management that is equitable, sustainable and results driven does that. So thinking about how do you pace yourself you know, over a long, hot summer when it's only going to keep heating up is hugely important. How do you come up with a division of labor that says, I mean, you know this, it used to be, if you can think back, there was an election day and then, and then the election was over. That no longer exists. No, it does not. <laughs> it does not exist. And so you have to have a division of labor now. We teach our clients, we encourage our clients, who's going to push until election day? to get you over the hump and then who picks up and carries you through January or, or March or April while you continue to fight this thing out. Right. And if you haven't thought that through, come up with that division of labor, you think you've gotten the ball across the line. You think you've won the merit. Oh, across the race. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's many more miles to go. And well, so that, that is some of what we've learned. Yeah. I mean, what I constantly see and try and fight against is the second grade soccer problem, which is, is that, you know, you have the soccer ball and everyone runs to the ball and then the ball moves and everyone's running that way as opposed to playing in position. And mm -hmm. so much of what we have learned and try and teach is about that division of labor and playing position and understanding that the ball will come to you and we have to let the people who have the ball move the ball and not crowd them out and give them the room to pass the ball then to somebody else. And yeah. so we have to let people do their jobs, but then we also have to be there to be passed to. And That's so right. that to me is what we've often seen both in organizations and in our own organization is getting out of that, the here is the ball, we all are the ball. Yes, you're exactly right. And this is why this work is so important is if I show up to practice and I think we're playing rugby, <laughs> you can't convince me to get away from the ball. I'm like, that's my whole job. <laughs> come on, come on. We're doing this rugby. And you're like, wait, no, we're not, we're not playing rugby. Right. That's a different sport. I need you, you got to stand over here so we can pass you. And I was like, no, no, no. I got to be up under here so I can. This is why I'm making the implicit explicit. It's like, you want to come play ball? Yes, I want to come play ball. And I show up and I think we're, you know, you're like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. We're playing football. Oh, okay, okay. Even that's not clear enough. Are we playing US football, Latin American football? What are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Because it, it all got a ball. One of the things that you mentioned, you talked about having those difficult conversations and 
you know, conflict, making the implicit explicit, especially in a movement when people are trying to make real change in the world, sometimes that conversation is avoided or is really hard. Can you talk about ways in which you would suggest to have those difficult conversations, especially when you have, you know, people who are volunteering, people who shared, you don't want to upset volunteers, but you want to make sure that you're having those conversations that need to be had. How do you do that? Yeah, this is important. It really is about doing your best to get aligned. I mean, we often talk about getting aligned when we talk about managing up and across where, you know, if you have positional power, if you're my manager, you give me something you'd like me to do. I'd like you to have a thousand copies of this thing ready by Friday, or you're the advanced team, go set up this action we're going to do over here. Okay. I can ask you questions about it. We can talk about what success looks like to me, what success looks like to you. But when I'm a stakeholder who you are, have a seat at the table, just like you do in an alliance, those conversations are even more fraught because we have to be as transparent as we possibly can. And what we often teach is you can be more transparent than you're being. You probably can't be a click or two more, right? Or five or six. And so having these conversations as early as you can about what success looks like, coming up with really clear, what we call smarty goals, strategic, measurable, realistic, and achievable, time-bound, and equitable and inclusive. And so getting really articulate about those goals and getting collective input about what those goals are and how we're going to measure our progress towards them and what success actually looks like so that we're not, yeah, we want to win this campaign. Well, what would a win be in this context, right? And, and that is often where the tensions show up, where a win may be, for some people, getting in the room. That's the win. Whereas other people, a win is getting a 20% reduction in pollution. Where other people, the win is funders now know my name. (laughs) And so like as clear as you can be and as transparent as you can be about those things as early as possible about what one needs out of this work and what would success look like, the better. Yeah, I mean, defining those primary and secondary goals is core and getting an understanding of what that is to me is so important. But the other part on feedback that I'd love your feedback on is not just the sort of up-down communication, but the side-to-side, right? Mm -hmm. Often what we've seen, the hardest parts of feedback, especially around movements, is giving feedback to coworkers, not someone that has positional power above or below you, but laterally. And that to me sometimes is where I think the conversation is missed. Yeah. So in our new book, Management in a Changing World, How to Manage for Equity, Sustainability and Results, we tackle this in a deep way. The acronym that we teach is called Seesaw. Connect, share, ask, wrap up. And so the connect starts off with, hey, I know it's important to you that this campaign is successful, that our partnership really flourishes, that really works. So that's the connection. When you show up late, when you don't follow through with your commitments, even when you take full credit for work that your organization didn't do alone, here is the impact, right? So sharing that piece of it. And then you ask, in the future, I would like for you not to do that. I would like for you to 
follow through on your commitments. I would like for you to share the credit. I would like for you to be on time, whatever the thing is. Can we check in about it in a few weeks? La da da da. That's the wrap up, right? And so that is the sort of the formula. But here's the thinking behind it. And this really does have to come from a good place. To the extent that I know you and I know you're invested in me and we have a relationship and I know that you, you want to see me be successful. You want to see the movement we're a part of and the work that we're a part of be successful. I can take feedback from you. I can hear that you think I'm mostly a good person, <laughs> that I could be better and I could be great. One of my young homies used to, used to say, feedback is an opportunity to help you step into your greatness, right? And when feedback is delivered with that energy, that sense, those values, it can be received. Now, somebody might just be, you know, an a-hole and they don't want no feedback. They think they're God's gift. They're perfect. There's nothing they could do better. I'm Michael Jordan of the game. Back away from me. I got this. There's no hope for those people. Well, feedback is not going to help them in that moment. I should say it that way. And for most of us, that is a real gift. And you can use that same formula to give feedback that is like, hey, you know how important this coalition is. It shows up in everything you're doing. I just want to share something with you. When you came to that meeting and you talked about what being a member of the coalition has brought to your organization and how it's advanced the work, that and how we're here for debate and struggle and that you've seen it move forward, that really cemented that there was a pathway for these new partners. It made such a huge difference. Thank you for doing that. Please keep it up. It's the same formula. Because the thing is, is people do stuff all the time that it's like amazing. Yeah. They have no idea in the course of their work. They're just doing their job. Totally. They're just showing up being themselves. But it's like, that was transformative. Thank you for that. Then they keep leaning into it and they grow into it because I know that's that those are good moves. So you can use feedback in all those ways. Yeah. And, and I think that idea of like ground rules for feedback – you have to come at it from a positive place. You can't have the feedback be reactive. I mean, I know that often people want to give immediate feedback, but sometimes you need to give yourself a little space before you can give that feedback and give it in a positive or neutral way and not be reactive to feedback. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's so important. Yeah. It is because you don't want to make feedback about traits that a person can't change <laughs> or that are summations, right? Like you don't want to be like, you suck at this. That's not helpful feedback. You want to make it about an action. You want to make it about the impact. You want to make it about the things that people can change. And you want to have a clear request. And that, and that clear request can be never do that again. <laughs> you know, simply put, but, but yes, exactly. Like you don't, you, you, feedback is a gift that you don't want to rush necessarily to give. You want, you want it to have some level of objectivity and not just have it be. And if you're a person who gives tons of feedback, which is, God bless you, you want to make sure that you give balanced. There's no rule around it, but people often talk about, you know, a five to one, four to one sort of ratio that for every piece of corrective feedback or developmental feedback suggestions, you want to be providing four or five pieces of affirmative feedback. Again, unless this person is like really the wrong fit, if they're really just not doing a good job, you don't want to hide the ball there. But if they are like, hey, you're moving in the right directions, you want to let people know that. But I will say, all the research suggests the only thing worse than a ton of negative feedback is no feedback. 
hundred percent. I also think you just have to work at. From my perspective, feedback doesn't happen on its own. These relationships don't happen on their own. You have to build them. And so one of the other questions I have for you, and I have so many, is talk to me a little bit about organizations and especially organizations doing movements are not perfect. How can individuals make change? What are some steps that they can take to make change in their organization if things aren't going the way that they think it should? How do people take those proactive steps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, one of the things that we teach is this notion of sphere control, that there is things that you can control and things that are outside of your control. So first, control what you can. Get really clear about, I can control the way that I show up. I can control the feedback that I give. I can control how I develop my team and the culture I sort of formed in my team. And I can lead by example. And so those are all things that we, that we teach. There are organizations who have cultures that are not for everybody. And that's just what's true. And there are organizations that can evolve and grow over time. And none of us are, are at our ideal. All of us are human beings in development. And so, you know, TMC is not a perfect place to work. I believe it's a good place to work all the time. I'm trying to make it better. And what we teach is that folks can manage up by asking clear questions, getting aligned with their manager on what success looks like, offering feedback and suggestions and modeling. So we've seen team leaders develop a culture and a high performing culture that inspires others in the organization to follow suit, right? When I was at the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, we had a campaign manager who, who was leading Books Not Bars, who was just stellar in terms of her ability to articulate clarity, come up with job descriptions, work plans, goals, key result areas that inspired the rest of the organization to say, well, let, let me try some of that. Let's see if, if, if a little bit more structure can help provide some, some consistency and drive towards impact. And so we've seen that. And then, you know, inviting people to come to training, getting our organization trained and in, inviting in some study, some dialogue, some introducing reflection and evaluation into into the work is one way that we've seen people change organizations is just to say like, you know, I would like just to debrief the next several activities that we do and just see what we can learn. What are the pluses and deltas? What should we write? And, and that over time, again, because most people want to get better. They just don't know how to do it. And so giving people some tools around how to do it. There's some of us that are a bit stuck in our ways. So I would say, don't bang your head there. <laughs> Dust off your resume and think about what's next. But but now most folks, you can sort of introduce some new tools, some new skills, a little bit of the rigor of, of being an organizational leader. And most folks will gravitate towards that some, and then others will completely rebel and resist because they, they're not here for it. Sure. And change is hard. And some people just will resist change for the sake of change. And others will want to, you know, run towards constant change. So somewhere yes. in the middle is probably good. And But figuring that out and figuring out how that works for your movement or your workplace is so important. And it definitely takes time. So talk about the three dimensions of effective management. You mentioned it earlier. Let's talk a little bit more and dive into that a little bit. Love to hear a little more about that. 
The Management Center has been known for a while about helping organizations pursue ambitious results. And one of the things that we were we were hearing from staff and organizations and some of our trainers and some of our coaches is that people were sort of making this an either or endeavor that it was you know we could pursue equity or we could pursue results and and we thought that that that's a false choice that these these two things are are woven are woven together and we have to center sustainability cuz there's none of this work is a sprint even inside of the sprints inside of a, a campaign cycle or an, an election cycle, it's a marathon. We're not going to win this thing if we just burn ourselves out. And so we felt that we needed to get really explicit about how do you weave in equity? How do you weave in sustainability and hold results so that these things add up over time? I'm from Oakland. I'm a fan of the the, the Golden State Warriors. And I don't want to start no stuff. Don't I ain't looking for no trouble. I'm just I'm just saying what it is. And totally fine. I, I'm happy to <laughs> talk sports another time. But anyway, but yes, go go ahead. And I, I'm a Steph Curry fan, but I also have to say that I gave up all my allegiances for sports teams through marriage. So I'm Philadelphia through and through on the sports teams. So just have to let you know that. Um, and it, like it's I just said. what I've had to do, like to have a very healthy, sustainable marriage. But we hey. can talk about that another time. I, I completely understand. And my heart's been broken by, by many barrier teams. So just is, like, is, again, being a Philadelphia sports fan, it's a recipe for heartbreak. We won't have to go there. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, but yeah. keep going. <laughs> so, so I say this to say like building a championship team every year from scratch don't make no sense. And so even in a campaign cycle and even in campaigns year to year, we have to build in sustainability because we need people to get better and better and better because then they can get faster, sharper, more exacting. And we know that talent lives everywhere. And if we haven't baked in equity, what we're doing is we're pushing away talent and, and we're pushing away talent who can see things. So I'll share a brief story. When I was a young person, I was hired by by these folks who wanted to come into West Oakland and do this explore doing this sort of like place-based development, blah, blah, blah. This, this foundation wanted to do this stuff. They were like, we're going to do this. We're going to br bring people together at the community, the senior center and get some chicken and ask them questions. And I was like, that's trash. Don't do that. I know this community. That's, that's actually not what you want to do. You actually want to go and start over here with these folks and then talk to these folks and then talk to those folks and then bring folks to the meeting where where you've gotten their level of input and buy-in. And they said, anybody got time for all that? This is what we're going to do. And of course it blew up in their face. Now, that was because they actually could not center equity, sustainability, and results. The result was move fast on a quick timeline and and they couldn't get to that result. And so what, what they ended up with was nothing and having to pack up their bags and, and leave because they weren't willing to even like say, okay, we can't do eight weeks, but we can do six weeks as opposed to two weeks because we'll actually get to the result that we need. And as opposed to listening to people in the community, understanding what was going on and l having hired somebody from the community because they thought they needed to understand, they didn't have the bandwidth to really listen. And so this is why TMC has centered 
equity, sustainability, and results as what we're defining as, as effective management, because you can't get there. And, and folks will say, okay, it's a, it's a recipe. There's one. And it's like, no, 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 it's a braid. It's a braid. You have to weave them and braid them together. And it makes for a stronger strand, obviously. And it makes for stronger work is what we have seen. To me, it's thinking about that and the the needs of the people that you're working with for the long term. And one of the things that we have found as a company is to continue to grow the company. We don't want to start from scratch and, you know, have employees leave every year, every two years. We want people to be with us for the long term. And so it's thinking about, you know, how can you as an employer or as an organization help people as ways you can. You can't do everything as an employer, but I mean, we have worked on projects like, you know, this year we've rolled out doing work around grief at work and really figuring out how do we help employees around those issues. It's continuing to think about what are small things that you can do that can be impactful with your team. It's so important. The world has changed, you know, being a student of movements and history, the world has changed. You know, I like I said, grew up in the in in the eighties, and I remember hearing from my elders who were a part of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, who were a part of the Third World Strike here in the Bay Area, organizing for ethnic studies. That there were these sort of like moments of disquiet and disunity that existed, where expectations started to shift around. You can't talk to people like that. This old thing ain't gonna fly. And you're seeing that in in the workplace as well. It's not just, I mean, people, I think in the social sector thought, well, Starbucks workers are organizing. That's amazing. Amazon delivery drivers are organizing. That's amazing. It's like, yes, there's something happening in the workplace. <laughs> and, and guess what? You have a workplace. And so expectations at work are shifting and people are expecting to be able to bring more of themselves into work and have a workplace that is more aligned with who they say they are and what they say they're up to, right? And so that means us as leaders who lead organizations, us as employers who ha- employ people, we have to shift to meet the, the folks um, where they are. And so w- what I often say to some of my clients who are, who are bemoaning, oh, it's the millennials, the millennials. I'm like, you have to be a leader to lead the people you have. <laughs> if you if you can't lead people you don't have and you can't lead people who you wish you had or be resentful of the people you're leading. And so like we have to do some shifting to get current with expectations for what work is are shifting. Oh, I mean, and by the way, right, it was Gen X. They were a problem. Gen Z was a problem, right? Listen, the workplace is always changing. You have to lead and you have to take the responsibility as a leader to have a point of view of what you want the workplace to be like. And I think often people don't do that. They, you know, publish an HR manual that is like the same HR manual that was created by a lawyer that wasn't created with any point of view of what the vision for the workplace, for the movement is supposed to be like. I think that it really is thinking about how do you want to show up? How do you want your organization to show up? It's so important. So we're getting close to the end of our time here. When it comes to management or things that have inspired you, do you have a favorite book, podcast, TV show, or movie that deals with good management or managing in a movement that you could recommend? Jim Collins, good to great, built to last. They have them for the social sector. When I first learned about these books, this isn't business thinking. 
it is effective organizational thinking. Now, when you read them, because they're several years old now, more than two decades old, that yeah. he will be talking about companies that no longer exist. That That's true. And some of the metrics are like Wall Street. That's not what's important. What's important is the, the organizational foundations they were set. The other thing I would say is, and this one is hard to get, but it's worth the price, is the Playmaker Standard. It is a book about strategy. And that is just phenomenal. Okay. It is hard to come by, but it's called the Playmaker Standard. And it's and it's all about like how do you make moves as a strategist and how do you build and and it's it was just transformative for me. It was transformative. All right. Well, I cannot wait to read that. So I will go and I will find it and I will let you know about it. But that is that is super exciting. I have not heard of heard of that book. So and I am a big avid management reader. So I will uh, definitely dig into that. And then talk to us just briefly about the kind of work that the Management Center does. If our listeners working in organizations or want to get more help, how can you help them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a website, managementcenter.org, that has all these tools, how to, from everything from check-ins to evaluations to how to write job descriptions helping you think through interview questions. We have a newsletter, you know, managementcenter.org, where you can like, again, host the tools. About half a million folks visit our that website a year and download tools. We have the new book, Management in a Changing World, which is really a how to manage in this moment, um, centering equity, sustainability, and results. We train about 17,000 managers a year. We have open registration courses where you can go online, sign up for less than 500 bucks, Right now, mostly online, spend between half a day to some few half days learning the fundamentals of effective management, how to give feedback, how to hire, how to develop your people, how to, you know, coach them into reaching more and more of their potential. And we also offer that for in-house trainings for really strategic clients, folks who are really have, you know, 15, 20 managers and they're trying to push together. We will, we will come and do a, a tailored training focusing in for what your needs are. And then we do deep intensive coaching with senior leaders where we help them for one to three months, either build their skills, help build their team, help guide them through the twists and turns, particularly of growth. Um, when organizations are thinking about growing, like how do you scale in a way that keeps the culture when everybody can't fit around a conference table, when you don't see everybody in there in different states or different offices. And so that that is the core of what the Management Center does. And if you are interested, I invite you to like go on our website, sign up, get a training, reach out to us if you're interested in coaching. It really is transformative in it terms is. of helping managers think through uh, what do you need to do? How do you, you know, everything from like, let's role play this feedback you're going to give this person. Or let's sit here, like, actually, what you need to do is hire a deputy director. Let's get input from your team about what that might look like, what that role would be, and get folks on board with, like, oh, this might be slight, a weird demotion for me, because now I'm not going to report to the executive director, but I'm actually going to get my answers quicker. I'm going to get more hands-on support around the stuff, stuff that I'm dealing with, and this person's going to go out and raise more money and more partners. Okay, let's go. Let's advance the work. So that, that is the kind of stuff that TMC does and with really great organizations and folks who are really committed to seeing the world be a different place through achieving their means. Yeah. And if folks want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn everywhere. 
on every social media platform, just about Jakarta underscore Imani. I'm there. The former Bluebird, uh, the new threads, all that. Well, Jakarta, thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you today. Oh, and thank you for your work. Um, I mean, supporting campaigns to run better is what the world needs. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we're back. It is always great to hear Jakarta's brilliance and his advice. He is such a formidable CEO and, and leader in the space. As we've mentioned, right, we, we love the management center. He has played just such a really important role in improving management, the success of sort of important justice and equitable based nonprofits. I know that it is really cool to sort of see him take the helm of the management center and and hear about his sort of next iteration. But Joe, what were some of the really pieces that stuck out to you in the conversation? First of all, I totally was a fan here. I'm going to say it again. If you've not gone through a management center training, you should check out their tools online. That is part of their mission is to get their tools into people's hands. And I will say it's taken us a while to really build in and lean into those practices at the campaign workshop. But the conversation was great. I mean, it really talks about making the implicit explicit, really being clear about what each person in a company, in a movement, in an organization can bring to the table. This idea of creating a common language around management, that is something a management center does really, really well. If you don't know what a mocha is, check out the show notes and learn more at the management center, but it is fantastic. It's something that we do a lot of work with. You want to make sure that that management is equitable, sustainable, and results-driven and really allows you to get buy-in from your team. And I think one of the things that we found through the management center, it allows people to really engage and helps management listen more. If you're able to build a structure that has communication in its core, that allows that feedback to be even stronger. One of the things I've read dozens of business books, they talk about core values, but they don't always talk about communication. And in an organization for it to work, communication is key. And I think the management center does a great job of instilling that communication throughout an organization. One of the other pieces that I took away from it and that we have done a lot of work on, I think, here at the Campaign Workshop is is this idea of understanding that difficult conversations are part of the job, right? <laughs> You're not always going to agree. You're not always going to sort of see eye to eye. And, and things are going to come up where whether it's it's feedback, whether it's the sort of debate of ideas or the direction where you're going, right? This happens in movements and organizations all the time between board members, between leadership, between staff and volunteers. But the more transparent you are able to be about the needs of the movement, the needs of the organization, right? The needs of the individuals who are within those organizations and the skill sets that are needed in order for you to make meaningful and impactful change, right? Like be a sustainable organization for the long term, right? Continue to move the needle closer to your mission, I think is something that can critically change the way that your organizations and movements are run, right? If we are able to learn that skill of how do you have a productive conversation around a difficult topic, I think we would move leaps and bounds further than some of these movements I think currently are, right? 
our friend Katie Bellinger, who does a lot of training around this, she talks about the idea of the difference between being nice and being kind. And being kind to your people, like nice is like this fakeness that is not really true, but kind is giving that feedback of like wanting that growth for your folks and vice versa, telling your manager, hey, you might <laughs> need to be doing this instead of what you did there. That is kind. And I think instilling that kindness into your communication and into your work is, is a powerful thing that you can get out of what the management center is teaching. I always appreciate New York kindness over Midwestern niceness. <laughs> I think one of the other things right that he talked about was goals right and we and we continue to beat the drum on goals 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 right like make sure that you are the work you are doing has an end and this idea of creating measurable sustainable realistic right the smarty goals which if you go to the management center's website you'll learn all about smarty goals is really imperative for success and you should have them at sort of every level of the organization every level of the movement right like yes there is that north star we are trying to achieve but along the way there are goals around communication and education and engagement and wins and losses that you're going to have these goals set around to help people understand what is the impact that they're trying to make. These movements, as we've been talking about, are going to go on for months, years, decades, right? And unless you are setting these incremental goals and these inflection points, you're not going to be able to keep that momentum going and keep people on the bus for the long haul, right? That is also one. And the last one I think is really, again, this importance of giving honest, affirmative feedback to organizational and cultural alignment. The ability to let somebody know, hey, you you are fitting and you're driving with us or you're not, <laughs> right? And maybe this isn't the best fit for you, I think is also a really important way to ensure that not only is the organization and the movement getting what they need out of the folks within it, but that you're also being honest with the folks who maybe it's not this movement, maybe it's not this organization, maybe it's not this role. And if the alignment's not there, you're you're only perpetuating harm to the organization and to this individual's growth. And so being able to have those really honest conversations, I think are also really critical. But Joe, talk to us a little bit about how you think you can ensure management remains effective and sustainable in the long haul, particularly when so many things are changing, leadership changes, right? Like staff changes, the political landscape changes. Now also being remote is a, you know, part of this too, right? We still have groups and organizations that meet together and that's great, but it really is a hybrid model where people are doing work virtually or it's, you know, it is not as hierarchical as it might have been in the past. And all of that has, you know, problems, but frankly, also benefits for movement, right? Where you can have much more decentralized management and people taking on some of these roles and some of things that they didn't take on before that can be a real positive thing. But it's that idea of, of doing simple things like meetings, surveys. At our company, we use a management practice that the management center talks about, which is the idea of skip step meetings, where your management is talking to people, not just the people they supervise, but actually people below, right, to find out what's going on and what their goals are in the company. That can be really powerful. I also think that when you're talking about the long-term and environmental changes, it's making sure you're creating collection points where you're actually coming together and saying, are we hitting our goals? Are we living our values? 
Do we agree with what the mission of the organization is? Are we on track to achieve goals based on that mission or are we off track? And having those like touch points where you're going back and asking that, I know sometimes people find that to be boring, right? But it is a good management practice to continue to come back and see, are we on the path that we have set out to be on? And then if you're not, then making sure you're correcting for that and moving back. It's part of this is having that ownership when things aren't going the right way to collectively come together and move it back to where we want it to go. But that takes that time, that takes that buy-in. And as we said, that takes good management. And it takes the skill to be able to say, hey, maybe we're not doing what we said we were going to do. How do we correct or we fix that? Or maybe our people are unhappy. How do we work with them to make sure that they feel connected to our goals and our mission? And those are questions you have to continually ask. And that can be in person. That can be through a survey. That can be through a retreat. Doesn't really matter how you do it. It just matters that you do it. Yeah. And I think the last piece I added there is like, and it's not only about where like, are you achieving the mission, right? It is all of those internal processes and structure and cultural things is the way that you are running the organization is the way that you are involved in the movement space still working. We were a in-person DC office, right? <laughs> and we are now fully remote. There was an adaptation that had to happen based on our understanding of management, our understanding of the people and the humans that we needed to be effective in the roles that we have, right? And so I think that, yes, in addition to to sort of regrounding in your in your organizational vision and mission, there is also a like touch point and check back on are the way in which we're running the organization make sense for who we are today. And also, are you open as a manager to take that feedback? If someone comes and says to you, Joe, I want to give you this feedback. I'm concerned about this. Are they just being nice and saying in a way that like gets away from what you're doing it? Or are they being kind and really actually telling you, hey, this is a problem. And if they're coming to you with that kindness to say, Joe, this is a problem, then it's your job to actually take the time and listen and work it out together as opposed to just saying thanks and moving on to the next thing. You have to then have that commitment as a manager to actually listen. Well, thank you. Speaking of thanks, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you have questions, comments about management, check out our website, thecampaignworkshop.com. Our information can be found in the episode description. We also want to thank the folks at the Management Center again for being on this episode. Yeah, huge shout out to Jakarta and the team. And be sure to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And until then, this is Martin Diego Garcia. And Joe Fold breaking down how to win a campaign. How to win a campaign is Joe Fold, Martin Diego Garcia, Elizabeth Rowe, Phoebe Retta, Evan Wilkerson, and Vienna O'Brien. Music by Daniel Pinto. Audio editing by Christopher Lang. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. Please review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.